Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We're not doing this, however, without considering the works we're committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. Well, good morning, everybody. Glad you are here and braved the weather. You know, I've been accused of a lot of things, but I've never been accused of bringing heat and the weather. That was a new one for me, but anyway, um, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. This morning, I'm going to talk about Halloween, Easter, and the goddess of spring. I'm going to talk about, I wanted to chuckle after that. I thought it was someone <laughs> think, that's funny. Uh, we're going to talk about cities, and we're going to talk about reputation. You know... So much has been made about holidays. I can remember when Halloween would come around. Because we were Christian, we would be asked, are you going to celebrate Halloween? You know, because there's ghosts and there's witches and all these things. And there's also Captain America. I don't know what to do with that. You know, there, there's all these, you know, people putting on costumes. And, and so the kids would want to go out. And for a period of time, we were so legalistic, we would not celebrate Halloween. But we were creative. And so we would have, you know, harvest parties, right? And if you're real spiritual, they're hallelujah parties, right? And really, it's a Halloween party. You just change the name, but there's the candy and all these things. But we're trying to kind of meet the needs of our kids, you know, because how do you tell a kid, yeah, everyone else is going to go out and get free candy, but you can't because you're a Christian. It's like, thanks, I'm so glad I found Jesus. You know, it's like there is this kind of conflict that's going on. And so we would want to have a party with these things, but then there would be these people, oh, you're just compromising. And I remember every year we showed this video that was, I forget, called like Trick or Treat. And it was about, you know, people being sacrificed on Halloween. And it was like, oh man, this is so heavy. I thought we were just getting candy. But there was this tension that was there. And it's funny because the people who often put the tension there would not put the same tension on something like Easter. 
But many of the reasons they didn't is because they are not aware of the background of Easter. But every now and then I would get someone who'd come up to me and say, why do you call it Easter? Don't you know that Easter is really a celebration of the goddess of the spring, which is Ishtar? And it's like, yeah, I know that, but... The kids like the eggs and the bunnies and everyone thinks of Easter as the resurrection of Jesus. And so I'm not really worried about the history. I'm worried about how people perceive things now. Same with Halloween. I, I've yet to see a sacrifice take place on Halloween and I'm counting the, on that I'll never will, right? I, but... I can see it as a celebration for the kids and I can see Easter as a time we celebrate Jesus' resurrection. So I'm not really that worried about it. You know, perception and how people are seeing these things are important. Paul said, it doesn't matter what you eat and what you drink, if it's sacrificed to idols or not. If you don't know about it, it doesn't matter because an idol is nothing. He didn't put a big deal on it. And so I don't think we should put a big deal on it. But sometimes people get really, you know, uptight about Halloween or about Easter or even like yoga, you know. Yoga. Most people are like, I'm just stretching. Yeah, but it's yoga. Like, what does that mean, you know? And so it's all about perception. And really what happens is we start to kind of isolate ourselves. We develop our own language, our own traditions, and pretty soon we're not communicating at all. You invite a friend, hey, you want to go to the stretch class? And they go, what's that? Well, it's like yoga. Why didn't you just say that? Well, because, you know, we don't do yoga. Why don't you do yoga? Because there's that whole meditation thing. Well, we're not meditating. We're just stretching, but we call it yoga. Is that okay? And so these are the kinds of things that, you know, come into my mind as I think, but I am guilty of this myself. And I have to confess to you guys that I have had, and some of you guys are going to say, we've known this all along, Sam. I've had issues with certain words that have been used traditionally in the church. One of them is the word church, okay? The reason I've had a problem with this is because of what church has meant to so many people throughout the years. Church has been seen as a place that's judgmental, is narrow-minded, is bigoted, is not loving and caring and compassionate. And so I, I don't want to be lumped into that. And I've even had times where I've shared with you that the word church is actually a transliteration of another word that's kirche, which is actually in the German, which actually means a building, that the word that's used for church in the Greek is the word ecclesia, which means an assembly. But what happened is when the, the Greek was translated to the Latin and the Latin was over there in German, they tried to transliterate the word ecclesia because there wasn't a word in Latin that meant that. And then it said assembly. Well, we meet in a building, so from now on it's going to be called the kirche because that's where we meet. And then it somehow became church, and so we call it church, and it's been church ever since. And so you guys know that I have been fighting against this attitude of the church. We don't, we come, we call it a community. We've had people leave here because I don't use the word church enough. And it's like, okay, um, bye. You know, I mean, I don't know what to say. It's, you know, that's just how I've been. But I understand and I submit 
to the culture that church is a place we go and we meet together. I surrender, okay? (laughs) And you guys clap. But I still want to hold on to the integrity of what it's supposed to be. And so in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and the motto has been in the beginning when we started Genesis, we don't go to church, we are the church. Okay, and I want to hold on to that and I do want to reclaim what church means. But in chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians, starting in verse 1, we read Paul and Silvanus, or Silas, it's translated in other translations, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for you, constantly mentioning you in our prayer, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reputation reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. The first thing we see here in verse 1 is Paul includes a number of people with himself. He includes Silas or Silvanus as it's actually translated in Timothy. It's almost like after he says the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he's saying, hey, here's the three of us and and we are in work with what God is doing. Verse 2, he says, we give thanks. And there is this inclusion. And it's important that we remember that God wants to work through us as a community what he wants to do isn't just through me or through you as a person but he wants to work through us as the church even as we spoke about last week where god is wanting to include all people into this work there's neither jew nor greek male and female that god is working in every human being and wants to work in every human being we understand that he is not working in through people alone, but through us as his representatives, as we know as the church. And something happened last week that just reminded me of how important church is. As I was talking with some people, and I didn't talk to them about what we talked about, so I'm not going to share who they are like I normally do. But the 
conversation went to how the conversation between a, a couple of people was very honest, how they were able to, to go out together and have a conversation and be able to open up and share the, the struggles that they had, to share the problems they had. And, and I remember how important that was for me when I first came to faith that there were people I could talk to about the things that I was going through. I had never grown up in church I had never known what church, I went to a Catholic thing once where they put some ash on my head, but that was like it, right? And then I found out, oh, it must have been a Wednesday because it's Ash Wednesday. And I'm like, oh, that's what that was. I did not know. I didn't grow up in church, but all of a sudden I start going to a place and I have something in common and I start to be able to talk to people about my struggles, the things that I'm having a hard time with. And it was important for me to be able to have a place where I could be honest. And it was important for these people who were talking together last week to be able to have a place where I could be honest and share the things that are happening in my life and not be judged for it. Not get a, hey, well, you know better. Why'd you do such a thing? It's like, thank you for sharing. That, that confession, so to speak, is actually freeing. It's freeing from the secrecy that is being hidden, like I have to cover up or I have to play this image or I have to be something that I'm not. Hey, if you think that you've got it together, then I don't know what to tell you. Talk to your wife, okay? Um, Talk to someone who knows you because none of us have it together. We are all struggling in some way some form or another. That's just how it is. We are like that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer cartoon, The Land of Misfits, right? Where they have the horse with the plane or something. I forget what they look like. They just, they're misfits. That's us. And it is so nice to be able to come to a faith that takes me as I am, does not try to cover me up, put makeup on me, make me look better than I really am, but says, let's deal with you as you really are. I love you for where you are, who you are now, not for who you're going to be. But it is a love that accepts me as I am, but doesn't want to see me stay where I am, right? And so this is what church is supposed to be a community of misfits that are comfortable knowing that they are not perfect, but they are loved just like they are. And that's where we start to develop this understanding that we are actually here for each other. You see, church isn't a place you go for yourself. You, you go to get it. A church is not for us. We are the church and we are here for the world. And that's important. You see, yeah, we get something here, but what we get here is what we're going to be able to give out. Everyone needs what we have to give. Acceptance, compassion, understanding, care, patience. That's what we're supposed to have. Everyone needs that. And that's what we are here to give. 
And so church is not a place we go to just to get. It is a community we become so that we can give. And he says there in verse 1, the church of the Thessalonians. And it's really interesting that he cites it in that way because the smallest denomination, if you will, that God seems to work in is cities. Right? You will go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. It starts with a city. That God is wanting to reach a city. And so here is the church of Thessalonica. This is the church for the Thessalonians. You are the people for this city. What would happen if we started thinking of ourselves? You are the people for Upland. You are the people for Rancho Cucamonga. You are the people for the Inland Empire. You are the people for Mexico, for Haiti. You are the people who are going to bring good news to the people in your city, in your community, your county, and to the world. What would happen if that was our mindset? See, I'm not just the church for me or for Joe. Nothing wrong with Joe but I'm here to reach more than just a person. We're here to reach lots of people. The church for the Thessalonians, the church for Upland. And I know there are a lot of churches in Upland. I'm not saying we're the only ones, but what would happen if we started seeing ourselves in a picture and a, a scale that was much bigger? What if we were to see that what we do is for the whole city? That it is for the whole county? That it has significance that extends beyond us? See, oftentimes what has been my experience is the church badmouths the cities. Cities are out to, you know, Put Zonus out of business. You know, we can only meet in these places. They've zoned us out of these places. Or the government, the government's trying to stop us from doing these things. And, you know, they're trying to put the separation from church and state. And they're doing, and so we start complaining about the cities. We start complaining about the governments. But what would happen if the work we did was so impactful? that the cities appreciated it, that the government appreciated the fact that we are doing something, say, to help the homeless. We are doing something to help those who are suffering from addiction, who are estranged from family. We are doing things to help those who are mentally ill. We are doing things to help those who have been orphaned and been left without families. We are actually doing something to make a difference in the lives of all the people who are hurting. Do you think the city would say, no, no, we don't want no help here? They would welcome us with open arms the problem is we complain and we do nothing but complain and then we're wondering why they don't welcome us what are you doing you see what was being done could not be resisted what was taking place at the church at that time was affecting everybody the slaves who were being mistreated, were being brought in and welcomed. The young girls who were being orphaned because they were girls were being adopted by the church and being raised. 
They were extending God's love to the least of these. And people said, wow, we've never seen anything like that. And it was a magnet to their soul, pulling them in to the conversation of who Jesus was. And the love could not be resisted. And so it started to spread like a virus until it started to take over the entire Roman Empire. And it didn't happen because, well, those Roman empires, they're not uh, respecting our rights. You know, we have the right to meet together and assemble together. They did not allow those things to interfere with who they were. You see, church wasn't a place they went. It was a life that they were living. And it affected everybody. So much so in verse 7, he says, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. Your faith has preceded you. Those good things that you're about, they are going before you and people are talking about it. For too long, the church has been known for being judgmental, being condemning, being self-serving, being a power. We want political power. We want to have authority in different places instead of serve different people. We, we want authority, but we don't have character. And you see, God does not give his power to people who don't have his heart. You want to see God do something in our community, have his character, have his heart, and watch it explode. Watch it explode. Watch the love of God conquer the problems that are in our community. You see, but we had the police department come to the churches and say, this is what we're doing. Can you guys help? Which is great. I commend our police department for doing that. But I have a question. Why weren't we doing that first? Why weren't we the ones who are doing the things that are helping the homeless get off the street? Why did the police department have to be the ones that initiated and then we came to support? And now Chief Johnson is saying, I'd like to just entrust this to the faith community. Are we going to step up to the task? Are we going to be the ones who invest our lives in those lives that are hurting and are struggling? Because it's an investment. It takes time. It's not easy. It's not something you go and give money to. You don't go and feed people so that they can stay in their condition. You have to actually get to know them. You actually have to engage with them. See, I've been involved with the lives of people who have been homeless, and it takes a whole lot to get them out of that place. Sometimes it takes medication because they're mentally ill. It takes getting them off the drugs because most of them are on drugs or drinking. It takes help because they're in a position where they are unable to help themselves. Are we willing to be the people who step in and say, okay, I will help you because I guarantee you it'll take some of your Saturdays and it'll take some of your Friday evenings and it'll take some of your time to be that for someone else. But the opportunity is there. And if we, the church, were so invested in helping in, say, this one area that the city said, Genesis has helped 50 homeless people get off the streets. 
you think they would say, you know, we don't really want to give you guys a place to meet because it's zoned improperly. You see, if we were that active in the city, the city would probably open their doors and say, what else can you guys do that would be helpful? Because it's costing us a lot of money in the police department to do what you guys are doing for love. And you see, this is what happens. What if we became the catalyst for healthy change? What if Genesis became so helpful to the needs of the city that our name became an example of faith, just like those in Thessalonica, where people knew of us because of what we did? That excites me. I know when uh, Randy and Brianna took the gift bags to the police department, they gave them to an officer there who knows us because we've been involved with the police department through the homeless. Plus, I know his dad and been a part of his family. But it was so good. Oh, yeah, we saw Officer Andrew. He says, you know, he knows you guys. That makes me feel good. Why? Because I want to be known? No, just that we are involved, that our... Our name is going out and we are actually doing something. You see, that's what I want. I I don't care for how big we get if we don't have a voice that's louder than my voice. See, I, I want our voice to be out there because people see what we're doing and it has an effect to the people around us. And if the world is not going to church, which most of the world isn't, then how do we bring church to the world? See, if most of the world thinks church is going to a building and listening to a person talk and listening to some music, how do we bring what really is supposed to happen outside of these walls and into the community around us? How do we bring the message of love, the message of forgiveness, the message of acceptance, that God accepts you where you're at, loves you where you're at, forgives you where you're at, and wants to work in your life right where you're at? How do we take that outside and become what the church is intended? Because it was never meant to be a place where you go. It's supposed to be a place where life springs out from. That's what I want to be known for. I want people to know that compassion starts here. That sacrifice starts here. That love starts here. That life starts here. I mean, that, that's what we say. Genesis, life starts here. Life needs to start here because this is our call. This is what we've been called to. I don't want to say life starts here and it be dead. That terrifies me. That we'd be inactive and labeled the church. You see, we have to redeem this word. If we're going to call ourselves church, and again, I okay, I'm willing to give you that, but I'll only give you that if you become what church is supposed to be. 
because I will not be associated with a building that does nothing but entertain people. I will not be associated with a church that just has people come in but does not have life go out. I will not. I cannot. We need to own this for ourselves. Not just for us, but for everyone. Let me get that. (laughs) You know, I I was doing a training Friday. and, And this has been happening to me a lot lately, the dog training. And I have been noticing a lot of just the problems that the dog has is really the problem the person is having, okay? In fact, I've got this book in mind that I want to write. It's called You Look Like Your Dog, all right? And I went to this one home, and the guy was very impatient with the dog. He was very you know, short with the dog. And so the dog was afraid of him. The dog was not coming to when he called him because the dog was afraid of him. And she was hyperactive. She said a million things to get one thing across, right? She was like ADHD on caffeine. And so when she would talk, the dog would just jump all over her and go crazy. And, And I'm you know, it's my job to convey this to them in a way that's nice. You know, I'm not going to say you're mean and you're crazy. You know, I'm going to try and bring them to a place where I say, okay, you know, you have to understand that your tone, your mannerisms, they're either going to draw the dog or push the dog away. And the same thing with you. All those words, dogs don't speak human. Okay. And all that energy to the dog, it sounds like excitement. And so when he says, hey, the dog says, yeah, let's go, and wants to jump on you, right? And so really I'm trying to get the people to stop behaving a certain way so that the dog can understand how to behave because he's looking for guidance. He's looking for someone to tell me how this goes. I need a leader. I need a pack leader that shows me the boundaries that I follow. One of the dogs I trained Friday was aggressive. I go to the home and the guy says, the dog's really aggressive around the house. I go to the house, sure enough, dog's lunging at me, trying to bite me, trying to come after me. And so I'm sitting here working with him, getting some things done so that the dog's not trying to kill me, right? Controlling the dog, correcting the dog and those behaviors. And then I start talking to him and I start saying, okay, what's going on? Find out that this dog is really only like this around him. Start finding out, okay, well, what's going on? And he says, well, you know, I've always wanted a dog and I've never had a dog that was close to me. My dad had dogs and I've start finding out that this guy's got a lot of things going on in his life, a lot of regrets, a lot of problems. And the more I start talking to him, the more things start coming up. And pretty soon, I'm not even talking with the dog. The dog's laying down asleep, and I'm talking with the man, and the man's almost crying as I'm just telling him that, you know, those insecurities that you're going through, they're showing up here. Because the dog thinks he has to protect you because you're so hurt inside that the dog is feeling it. And you know what? I feel it too. And the man starts crying. And he's a professor at a university. 
And I'm having a psych, he's a psychology professor at a university. And I'm sitting here counseling him about his dog and he's crying. You know, and I'm going into a place where the dog is wanting to bite me. And to me, it was such a picture. We're going into a world that has rejected who Jesus is, who, who crucified Christ. But we're going there because we have the hope that they need. And so I've got to move into this place that might seem uncomfortable, might seem dangerous, because I've got to bring the answer to this person and what his needs are. And that's really what we're doing. We're moving into an area of people's lives where they're hurt, where they're broken. And it's showing up all over the place. Our hurt spills over everybody. And we don't know how much we're crying until we see it as it really is. And then comes the good news that there is hope, that there is an answer, that there is a God who loves, who cares, and has done something about your brokenness. And you see, to me, that is church. I was having church Friday morning. I was having church Friday morning. I wasn't here. Randy wasn't singing any songs. Hold on, let's have some announcements. No, I was talking to this man about his brokenness. And I'm going to be talking to him more. And it was all over a dog. But you see, if I'm going to get him to a place where he understands that there's a God who cares about that brokenness, I also got to break some of the concepts that have been made about church that he has to feel accepted right where he is, that God loves him right now, right there where he's at, that it doesn't matter his political persuasion. It doesn't matter if he's a man or a woman. It doesn't matter if they're straight or gay. It does not matter where they are in life. God will take you where you are, period. And I will love you where you are, period. And if we cannot do that, don't call yourself church. Don't say I'm a Christian and hate your brother. It does not work. You have to love that person where they're at. God will not leave them where they're at. He does not leave you where you're at. He did not leave me where I'm at. He's not leaving me where I'm at still. He's changing me still. But he loves me here. I love you there. Period. I may disagree with you in so many ways, but I love you for Christ's sake because that is your only hope. That is my only hope. That is our only hope. You see, church was not just an idea that Jesus had. We are God's agenda for the world. We are meant to take this. We are God's intention for the world. And that's what he said. He said, you're imitators of me and even of the Lord. That's what it means. That's what we are. That's what we do. And so that's what we're going to do. You know, we we are waiting and wanting and desiring. Oh, every Sunday morning, we so desire building When that trailer comes up and it unloads, yeah, everyone thinks, oh, a building would be nice right about now. But we need to do the work that God wants us to do. We do have a building and I want to use it more because I want the city to know now that Genesis is involved in helping our community. 
I don't know in what ways that depends on us, right? It depends on us as a community. So this is a gauntlet. This is throwing out the gauntlet to us as Genesis, as our community. Do you want to be and reclaim church? If so, what are we going to do about it? I'm going to be meeting with leadership sometime soon, and we're going to try and go through some things that we can actually implement so that we can be more involved with our community. But there are things that I want your involvement in too. See, everyone who's involved with leadership is already doing a lot. And what we need is more people involved. What is your heart pulling you to do? Because I don't want to command or demand anything. I want the love of Christ to compel you to care enough to step in even when the dog is wanting to bite. Even when there's someone who's really hurting. Even when it's uncomfortable, it costs a little bit more of you, but it shows a whole lot more of Jesus. This is what it means to be in the church. This is our commitment to follow Christ. We will not settle for a building identity. We want the life of God to flow through us. Life starts here but it doesn't end. It goes out from here. Let's pray. Lord, once again, I have come to a place where you challenge me, where you help me to see the things that need to be changed in my life where once again you shift that paradigm and even joking earlier it seems like you shifted every day on me sometimes and sometimes I have to be awakened to my slumber I have to be made aware of how I have been complacent in my life with you as far as being a representative And so, God, I am praying for myself, first and foremost, as the pastor of this church. That's a sentence that was difficult for me, but I accept it. That I need to be an example that people can imitate. But I want your example to be clear that I would imitate. And I pray that together we would make a difference that we would step into the things that can be done in what ways we can to do what needs to be done. And and I pray for everyone who is here this morning. God, I, I believe that you have brought us here to challenge us. And I believe everyone has been brought here to be touched by you in some way. And I pray that you would do just that. I I pray that your spirit would empower us, Lord, that you would give us conviction and you would give us direction and that we would move from this place to a place that is meeting the needs of the hurting and the broken in one way or another, that we would show love to everybody, that we would care with your heart. And before you would empower us with the power of your spirit, may we first have your character and your love. 
And from here, may we bring your change to a broken community. And God, I am going to challenge everybody here as you have challenged me. If you are here this morning and you sense the challenge from God's Spirit to step up in your role as church, would you stand with me? And that you're standing before a God who has provoked your heart, who's provoked my heart to be more, to live more, to be involved with what he is doing more, to care like he cares. And God, we are standing here before you asking for that heart, that character, and that power to carry out your will in our lives, in our community, in the places where we work, in our cities, in our counties. And yes, God, we want to change this world. Lord, it is our commission that you have given us. The gates of hell will not prevail against your church. We are your church. May we move forward in your power, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. May you be aware that you have been entrusted with the name of Christ. And may the character of Christ govern everything you say and do. And may the power of Christ move you forward in his love. God bless you guys. Have a great day. See you next week. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.